0: Welcome, listeners, to an early Friday morning edition of The New Standard. I want to thank Neil for hopping on with me where we can jump on on this early Friday morning. And we wanted to do this because the news is hot and heavy with the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. And and I think it's just appropriate that we bring it to you as fast as we can. And also, before we hop into the program, I want to make sure everybody goes to the channel, The New Standard on YouTube. Give us a subscribe and a like. And also, the show is available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. So make sure you help us out with that and make sure you're subscribing to the programs and uh, doing all that good stuff. Let's jump right into it. Because we have limited time. Let's jump into the retirement of Vince Williams. Speak to that real quick, Neil, and, and, and the timing feels interesting to me. And how do you think it'll impact the Pittsburgh Steelers, particularly at that inside linebacker position? Who starts and what does the depth look like now that Vince Williams is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler?
1: Yeah, um, I think, first off, I want to acknowledge um, Vince Williams' story. I I don't think people quite understand what he overcame to be in a position to retire before training camp in 2021. He was a sixth-round draft pick out of Florida State, basically a a two-down linebacker, which is a position that really doesn't exist in the NFL anymore. It was on its way out in 2013 when he got drafted, but it, it's it's really non-existent today. You have to be able to defend the pass to play linebacker in the NFL, and that was not something Vince Williams could do when he first came in. You might recall, too, Lance, um, week one of the 2013 season, by the third quarter, the Steelers had lost more Keys Pouncey for the season and Larry Foote for the season. The talent of those two players aside, they're both quality players for sure, those positions were probably the least deep on a team that was probably going to fight to get to a nine and seven mark that year, 2013, they were kind of transitioning. Williams was not even active in week one. They, I I forget who it was. One of those other low end linebackers, um, they activated him to play on special teams. Mostly they really counted on foot to play. Basically every snap foot went down. Uh, I forget who it was. Maybe maybe somebody out there would remember. Um, he filled in the rest of week one. Vince Williams started in week two. Vince Williams was on the bubble as far as even making the team. And they put him out there. He was lost. I mean, he, he, really, you felt bad for him. It, it, he was having to do a lot. The team needed him to do a lot. Uh, he did the best job that he could, and he really wasn't all that good. But he stuck with it. And he continued to improve. He continued to to develop. And I think that the thing that we saw from Vince Williams, who was the old school, uh, hard-nosed, badass linebacker type, And the thing that we saw from him was really kind of a, a, a look inside to his personality. People saw his vulnerability. He was open about that in social media. And he became a, a, a beloved member of this team, mostly because – he was really the long shot on a on a team that got pretty good as as williams continued to contribute to it for vince williams to be a surprising retirement for him to be a, a kind of a nostalgic look back on a career for fans to be reaching out to him and saying they're really happy for him and they're they're you know congratulations on the great career it speaks volumes not only of the fan base of the pittsburgh steelers but everything that vince williams did that was really against the odds. And you, you see players like that come through. And I, I, those are the kinds of guys I'm always rooting for. I spoke to Vince Williams often in the locker room. Um, He's a different guy. He really is not exactly what you would think of in a lot of different ways, but what you saw from him in social media is really who he was. He did not put on airs about the the type of guy that he was. Um, The team will miss him for sure. And I, I just, as a, as a fan and as, as, as somebody working in the media, you appreciated Vince Williams. You, you really enjoyed what he brought to the team, and right? I really hope that he does well with, you know, whatever he's planning on doing in his life. Um, that said, what they're going to do, uh, I mean, Robert Spillane obviously is the next man up. I think um, Buddy Johnson's a guy you and I have talked about, Lance. I, right, I was big right. on him coming in. Uh, I think it really just kind of expands the role for him a little bit. Um, and it's funny because uh, Johnson, a fifth-round draft pick, right? He, he was the one who went in the fifth or was he the, the so. six uh, so. whatever basically he's another vince williams you look at a guy that, that's that's lower end but buddy johnson is the exact opposite player of vince williams it just goes to show uh how much evolution has gone into the position um johnson's half williams size williams is a big dude first off he's he's the size of one of the outside linebackers um if johnson can pick that up and johnson's a really smart player he's quick he's athletic He's more of your modern linebacker. If he can pick up what they're doing, I think there there's uh, room for him to build. I think he was a the guy they would have counted on for this kind of role next year. So uh, maybe they, they gotta bump that timeline up a little bit. I don't think that's a bad thing, but let let's let's remember the Steelers cut Williams. They didn't want to pay him what what they were you know scheduled to pay him, and then they brought him back. So obviously they felt there was some value. In bringing in in keeping Williams and he had to have been figured as a guy that was going to contribute quite a bit. So um, I think that that's challenge number one right out of the gate. I think that uh, Mike Tomlin and and Keith Butler have some things they need to work on uh, to kind of figure out what they're going to do with whatever we're going to see as their base defense this year, but perhaps more than anything. Uh, what different packages are they going to put together below the base now what what kind of sub package right, combinations right. are they going to use because they've got to get uh it, deeper guys onto the field and i, I think that's right. that that's the football season you know and, and i'm sure uh it, mike's going to talk about that today i i'd imagine it's going to come up and he's going to say something to that effect you know your your cliche next man up but it, it's, it, it creates the opportunity to do something different, uh, perhaps than what they had uh, specifically planned to. And that sometimes can be the, the best uh, uh, innovation for a team.
0: What I'll say about Vince Williams and being a guy from the north side and being a guy from Manchester 15233, 3, we appreciate aggression and we appreciate violence. And that's not to say that, you know, my neighborhood is full of violent individuals. <laughs> But we appreciate uh the fair share of violence that comes with playing the inside linebacker position in Pittsburgh. And and point of correction for both of us, Buddy Johnson, I believe, was the fourth round draft pick. Fourth round, of, excuse me. Out of out of Texas AM. We appreciate violence. We appreciate hitting and physicality that comes with playing inside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So We were always, I've always, my neighborhood, I've always been a fan of Vidi Vidi Vici. I I love the approach. I love the grown man business, BI, that he brought to the position every time he fielded it. And I love those type of stories where guys get every ounce of T- everything out of their talent they get every ounce out of it so I love the physicality I love the character that he brought to the field I love the physicality I love the violence and I thought he did get better in terms of defending the past I thought he improved in that skill set over the years it was definitely I-, I think a weakness it remained a weakness but it was something that I think he improved on where he could stay above water Want to point out this comment from Steelers Freak, and thank you, Steelers Freak, and thank you for everyone who hopped on this morning. He said he felt that you know Vince couldn't carry the wood anymore. Coaches had a, had his number and couldn't defend the pass. That is my concern. The Steelers don't have two good inside linebackers. My question is for you: Why, why the timing? Like, why right before camp? Could he have made this decision possibly earlier? Does that impact the Steelers any more than it does now? Because he made it at camp. I, I was just—it it just seemed interesting that the decision came right before training camp.
1: My guess, and I, I have nothing to back this on, just uh, past experience. My guess is he had some type of lingering issue or some type of physical concern That's going into right. it. We don't know that. We probably won't know that. Um, that, that's not the kind of thing you're going to report, especially not on a, a, a a well-respected veteran. You're going to let him retire, um, the timing of it. And considering he signed a contract, you know, I, I think he worked out. I think it came to the eve of camp and it was like, you know what? I just can't do it. I've thought about it. Things have changed. Um, and you got to respect a man for that. You know, it, it's, uh. It's, it's Mike Tomlin's job to figure out what to do without Vince right. Williams. That this, you know, come on, let's be fair. This isn't TJ Watt. I mean, it, it, it's, it's uh, an obstacle they should be able to overcome. And if they, they can't, well, they they probably have much bigger problems anyway. Um, it's not the best thing that could have happened to them, but it, it's something they're going to have to overcome. Um, getting to your point, though, about violence, I, I, I love that. And you're right. It's not, you know, neighborhood violence or anything like that. It, it's football is a violent game. Um, I know that that's not the most in thing to say nowadays, but the reality yeah. is it's a violent game. And uh, you might recall um, there was a great piece that came out from a, a, a national reporter last year, a pretty in-depth interview uh, with Vince Williams. And you see how old school his approach is and you see how much the, the physicality of the game um, drew him to it and he was good at it. Vince you might remember this too. the last five the, the first five games of last year, I think Vince Williams had a, a tackle for loss in the opening series of each of those games. Um, he was in the backfield it, it, the defense the way that it was structured last year was perfect for Vince Williams. It did not it, the, the base defense. it didn't ask him to do much in terms of coverage. And really, his thing was they're going to open up gaps up front. You attack your gap and and get in the backfield and get somebody. And it, Williams, I thought, did that very well. I thought uh, last year might have been his best year. Um, it's tough. It's just, I just I loved watching the guy play. Uh, I love what he brought each and every week. And I, I again, I, I sincerely hope that uh, he's able to do you know what uh, you know whatever it is that he wants to do, and he's earned a, a good living for for he and his family. And I hope that they can do really well. Um, based on the success that he's had, a, a stat that was in the the press release um the, the Sealers sent out Vince Williams played in more games than all but ten players that were drafted with him in 2013 and he was the wow. only one drafted in the sixth round or later. That's a remarkable statistic uh, considering how long ago 2013 was, how much the game has changed, and what we you know as fans and observers and media, what we saw of Vince Williams, uh, at the beginning of his career to the end of it, it it's remarkable how much he improved. It, it really was. He he was a solid player for the last four or five seasons. Um, and all due respect to him, he was kind of a dog right away. Uh, they had to move Troy Polamalu down to the box pretty much full time um, on passing downs because of Williams' presence. And the team took a long time to to recover in 2013. But Williams, it, Williams is the kind of guy you should root for as a fan, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And they'll, Let me- they'll miss him.
0: Let me jump into this last comment from Steelers Freak, and he said they need two three-down inside linebackers so O's can't go hurry up and not allow for scheme changes. ILB in passing, Diaz hurt the Steelers, and it showed in the playoffs. Speaking to the 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 depth and how it impacts the depth, what about UG3? I mean, Sh- Steeler Nation has been very high. You know how we get when we, when we see these players like U- UG3, these physical freaks. And we, we immediately make these comparisons to Shazier and so on and so forth. Where does where does UG3 stand in, in terms of being a, a sub-package player or a depth player, a guy that can provide some value outside of special teams for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Where does he stand going into this camp? Is this make it or break it? Will we ever see some of the potential, the physical potential that UG3 has show up on the football field. Just where is he at as a player?
1: He's got to stay healthy. Um That's kind of been the, the wrap on him, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the issues they had at linebacker were due to the fact that he was banged up quite a bit, and, and some of that could be a combination of inexperience and uh, him not really being all that big of a guy. So um we've seen a bunch. If it's not a Vince Williams type, uh, with the Steelers going going lower uh, than their starting inside linebackers, it's usually – um, the, the, the high, the tackling machine kind of guy, uh, undrafted usually from a small school, um, typically around the Mac conference, like UG three was, um, I'm trying to remember where Spillane went off the top of my head, but it's something like that. Um, Tyler Medakevich was a guy they drafted to, to play that role. He was a seventh round pick. He's still in the league. Um, UG three can be that type of guy, which is really just kind of a year to year thing. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot about his game that, that should make you think that they're set at the position. Um, They just drafted the position in the fourth round after trading up to draft the position two years ago. I I, I don't think they're necessarily counting on a guy like UG three to, to step in and be a, a a high end contributor. But um, if he's there, I mean, they're, they're keeping him around for a reason. They're putting him on the field when he's healthy for a reason um, it, you have to going with the same theme of the guys that uh, put the work in and, and improve over time. Um, he'll get the, he'll, he will have the opportunity to do that. He's going to have to show that in camp, but um, let's see, you know, I, I think this Williams departure really opens up a lot of things for a lot of people. So um, get out there and see it. I mean, for me and, and other real football dorks that don't really, think the preseason is a bad thing. I enjoy watching those second half snaps. I enjoy seeing the guys that can get out there and play. Um, It's a very stripped down version of the game. I understand that we all want to see, you know, big Ben chucking 60 yard bombs to, to chase Claypool or whoever the the star receiver is going to be. Because
0: because Ben's in the best shape of his life.
1: Of course. Of course. It's, it's July. He's in the best shape of his life (laughs) better than he was last year. Uh, you, You, I enjoy seeing players like that get the opportunity to show what they can do and and speculate on whether or not they might be able to to you know hang on and grab a roster spot. I, I like that. Um, he's that guy, though. I, I don't know if you can guarantee he's on the team. I think the practice squads of this year's team will be even more competitive than they've ever been, largely because teams are going to be able to bring up two guys from the practice squad this year uh, for game day rosters. That really the, – that 50 – fourth and 55th spot on the roster this year are going to be functional players. They're going to be brought in for a reason. So um, those types of guys you look at for special teams contributions, perhaps more than anything else. But I I think Gilbert, (laughs) UG three, I think has the opportunity uh, to earn um, playing time. And from that um, really just try to, to, to earn his way on. We're going to see that in the preseason.
0: I want to say what's up to Marcus J. He wrote, man, what you guys doing up right now? Good morning. I woke up feeling dangerous, and I'm in the best <laughs> shape of my life because it's July. <laughs> it's train yes. camp. Yes, it's Love camp. It. I feel in the best shape of my life. I want to transition to the signing of Melvin Ingram, and and I take it from your comments that from a depth perspective – The loss of Vince Williams is significant, but from an overall defensive perspective in terms of what you think this defense will be, it's not a big loss. No disrespect to Vince Williams. Let's shift into, uh, the big move that the Steelers made this week. That was the signing of Melvin Ingram. And let me briefly break into some statistics for Melvin Ingram, um, and if you guys aren't familiar with Melvin Ingram, I'm sure you guys are. He was the uh, the guy that played next to um, – in San Diego when he played next to Joey Bosa. Um, outstanding. I think he was outstanding in that role as a secondary linebacker. 49 sacks coming out of San Diego. Uh, was pretty banged up last year. So you saw some of his production drop from 2017. He had 10.5 sacks. Seven sacks in 18, seven sacks in 19. And in 2020, he did not have a sack played seven games, but he was largely banged up. The first question I want to ask you in terms of the signing is why did the Steelers sign Melvin Ingram? What do you think his role will be with the Steelers and how do you think that will impact uh, the depth chart? I mostly I think you sign Melvin
1: Ingram because it's rare that you get a productive pass rusher at 4 million a year, not on a rookie contract. They didn't have to draft him. Um, They just pay him that salary for the year. Uh, Melvin Ingram's a damn good player. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Health has been the concern with him and it's, it's understandable. Um, But you're going to pay $4 million to see if he can play the majority of 17 games. Here's the thing, defensive football, it's one and lost up front. Your front seven is really going to be the strength of your team. I understand the value of coverage, but nothing helps coverage the way a pass rush does. And I think the Steelers have proved that over the last couple of years, when everyone thinks that their coverage issues have been solved. It's like, all right, well, they lead lead the league in sacks every year. It's not a coincidence. One plays off the other. Um, They're going to need their pass rush even more than they ever have over the last five, six seasons. Melvin Ingram can be a guy that can come in you you listed off all of his his yearly stats that's fine I'm not worried about that what I'm talking about is on a per snap basis the havoc that he brings he's not necessarily a sack number guy but he's a pressure guy his pressure numbers are through the roof he gets to the quarterback he disrupts things um, these are things that don't show up in the obvious statistics all the time um, getting to the quarterback to alter a throw, rushing a quarterback through his rhythm and, and making him throw off balance, getting him outside the pocket where he might not be as good and, and you know buying another second, second and a half for your coverage to catch up. Ingram can bring that. Now, the, the best value, I think, for Ingram is he's an A to C gap guy. You can play him up. You can play him down. You can play him around the defensive line. He doesn't need to be a, a, a nose man, tackle. Man. Yeah. He can stand up over the nose and he can attack the A-gap. He can rush off the edge. He can stand up off the edge. He can go down into wide nine and get to the quarterback. There are a lot of things they can do with him. And you his value that- is not simply he's going to replace Alex Highsmith. No, 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 no. There's a lot of things they're going to do with him. Um, he's going to come in and play a lot of different roles, which isn't all that dissimilar to Bud Dupree. He he did a lot of that as well.
0: Is this an indictment on on Hightower?
1: Not at all. At not at all? all. This did they, they're It's not, okay, so the the Steelers' defense, seemingly by mandate, have played their outside linebackers 80%, 85% of snaps. I don't think they need to do that. I don't think it's required that they do that. And I also think that, well, you know what? You've got a hole at inside linebacker. You know, we've seen that. I'm not saying that Mel Ingram can play inside linebacker. I'm saying that if Devin Bush is also healthy, you can put him on the field, and Ingram can be kind of a spy over the A-gap. He can control the quarterback by his by his movement. He can attack the line of scrimmage, push the quarterback back, and in that play an inside linebacker position without having the liability of um athleticism, which which Williams did and Spillane does. So there there are different things that you can do to mitigate weaknesses that you have on your team. This it, again, it's not as simple as just, you know, Alex Highsmith's off the field when Ingram's on it. They're not interchangeable. They're not going to do that. He, he can replace Watt for a, a, a play. He can right. replace Highsmith. Right. He can go inside for a, a, a big nickel package if you want to do that. There are a lot of different things you can do when you have talent in your front seven. And keep in mind, when you've got Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt <laughs> as bookend pieces, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And there's value to that for the Steelers this year.
0: We always talk about on this show payment. <laughs> um uh, we talk about pedigree, we talk about performance, and we talk about pay. When you look at pay, it's a one-year deal. You said about four million dollars, so that scratches a bucket there. He's relatively cheap for the player that he has been. And you talk about pedigree; he's a former first-round uh, draft pick. And you talk about production. The combination of Bosa and Ingram—you know, when they were rolling. You know, that was a dynamic pass rushing duo, one of the best in the National Football League. He was a compliment to Bosa, and they wrecked havoc. And, and if you ever watched them play together, they used to just get downright busy and nasty. He's a very talented player. So he checks the three Ps, payment, pay, pedigree. He checks them all. And if you can get him on a one-year, which falls into the sexy tanking mantra that we've talked about, it's perfect. Now, in terms of packages, I'll throw another P out there with packages. Who are the starting four linebackers in the base package?
1: I you're you're going to see Watt and I I don't know. I think you've invested in Highsmith. The Steelers' model with their their outside linebackers recently has been snaps, snap, snaps. Snap. So they Watt played every snap preseason through the regular season his rookie year. Um, Highsmith is in a position to do something similar to that. Um, I think it's going to be Highsmith. I I think you can use Ingram situationally. I think you can build a defense that doesn't have to rely on his presence somewhere and you can still get him 25, 30 plus snaps a game. So those two, and then uh, Bush, I'm assuming Bush is healthy. It sounds like he's not going on the PUP list. He's, he's, he finished his conditioning test. He's all good there. Um, And then probably Spillane. Um, It just knowing his experience within the defense, the team is kind of used to him being out there. Um, I don't know how often we can say Spillane and Highsmith are going to get 80, 80% plus of the snaps. Uh, I think there are a lot of different things that they can do. I think those are kind of your your front seven targets uh, as far as bringing on sub package guys. They're, they're going to look for guys that can play in the secondary. Um, they've got two good safeties. They've got some questionable depth at cornerback and a lot of guys that are going to need, you know, probably some snaps to, to differentiate one from another. With that, I think you can experiment with some dime packages, uh, things like that that are going to kind of target getting Spillane off the field um, and maybe getting Ingram on to do things along with the defensive back. So uh, there, there are different a lot of different things that they can do. Um, those are going to be their four base guys, but I, I don't think you're going to see Spillane and Highsmith playing 80% of it of, of snaps in every game, it, it's going to wax and wane. Some games it'll be 50, some games it'll be 70,
0: somewhere in there. Just real quick before we get out of here, who do you think w- will be the, the nickel backers when they go to nickel?
1: Um, Antoine Brooks has been the guy that, that I kind of thought um, they drafted to play that role. Um, they kept him last year with injury, which is really kind of the NFL's way of saying we're redshirting him whether or not he was going to be out for the season. He was going to miss some time, but they weren't going to use a roster spot on him. So they put him through waivers and brought him back on the IR. Um, they don't often do that with late draft picks. So there, there's obviously something there that they value. Um, and they've been trying to establish that safety slash cornerback or even linebacker hybrid sub package kind of player for years. I think Brooks is going to be the guy that they, they want to look for that. Um, At the same time, I don't think they're afraid to use James Pierre. I I think he's a player that um, they feel confident with. I'll be honest. Everyone everyone and their brother has told me up and down how great James Pierre is. They figured that out with 27 NFL snaps. Good on them for doing it. I'm not sure you really can say that, though. I just know that uh, Mike Tomlin's talked about him. Um, Not something he would do if it was a player that he did not expect to do anything at all. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. you got to keep in mind, too, Defense in the NFL is not as constructed and black and white as probably most of your offensive packages are going to be. You use a lot of different guys. There are a lot of different values that everybody brings in different situations. And you got to defend, as, as Mike would say, every blade of grass on the field. So there are a lot of different packages that you can use. I don't think they're going to say flat out that this is the nickelback come hell or high water. I think they're going to use a lot of different guys in a lot of different ways.
0: And it's always a good thing in football to have enough bodies. You just got to have bodies to deal with any situation that you're dealing with and be flexible and rotate those guys in and out. Before we get out of here, I want to thank everybody for jumping onto the program early morning. Thank you, Marcus J., for jumping up. I felt physical and dangerous, and I felt like I was in the best shape of my life going into training camp, so I wanted to hop on this morning and do it. Before we get out of here, speak. there was a tweet that you talked about that you wrote earlier this week, and, and I know I'm throwing you on the spot about uh, I think it was transactions or something about rumors and transactions and what might happen, A, B, or C, or it was something about I think Nelson coming back, um, something going on there. Any rumors floating around about Steven Nelson coming back?
1: Um, I, I would think above anything else, and it, it's it's a talking point, you know, less than a rumor, um, but not completely unsubstantiated either. I would think a team like the Steelers, where they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they were going to look into signing a veteran cornerback or acquiring a veteran cornerback in some way. I say that because they do that every year around this time. Maybe not every year, literally, but Kevin Colbert loves a bargain in the secondary. They love bringing in the Ross Cockrells, the Cody Sensabaws, players like that, uh, Bryce McCain, players like that that they can get on um sub veteran contracts something light not a whole lot of money they're not at the top end of of um the veteran exception yet somebody they could pay i'm not going to put a dollar figure on it but get get something of a bargain of a player that can contribute to your depth nelson probably in my opinion doesn't fit that i think nelson's going to get five four or five million something like that somebody's going to sign him um He's good. It was a financial situation. It was a financial issue. Why he was released to begin with. I get that fans hate him and they're, they're going to scream and yell, whatever. Uh, Nobody hated him before all that stuff came up. They thought he was the greatest. It was a weird release, but he had the right contract to release In my opinion. I said this in the off season, they're going to do something either extend or release something with the contracts of Joe Hayden or Steven Nelson. One of them was not going to go through this season on their current deal. Um, nelson's made as much sense as hayden hayden's does i guess either way they're they're each of them had one year left each of them cost roughly eight million dollars it's cap space that they needed um bringing nelson back at a substantially lower amount i don't think it's a bad move uh, for either side nelson in his case he sees a a cornerback market that's giving players that are at best on his level 13 million dollars a year cincinnati signed um Trey Wayne's to a, a, what, like $60 million deal over five years, four years, something like that. Three, four, three for 45. I think it was, uh, these are contracts that Nelson can compete with in a normal market. All right. It wasn't a normal market in March at all. If he can get a year in to, to, to put some film down, he can compete in that space for that kind of money. I think he wants to do that. He's going to need the opportunity to do it. Could he get that in Pittsburgh? I, I think so. I, I think there's a spot for a player of his talent there. Um, Will that happen? I, I, I doubt it. I mean, it just doesn't look right probably for either side to do it. But the Steelers, Vince Williams is is an example of a player that they released and brought back for less money. It, it's, it's just as much a question of the player wanting to do that than it is the team. I think the team could find value in it. I think he can go for more than, than what the Steelers probably would be willing to pay. And I think the Steelers would bring in um, – a, a younger player, somebody that they would have a chance to maybe keep beyond this season, and that wouldn't be Steven Nelson.
0: Yeah, I would love for him to bring him back. I think that would that would uh, rectify, I think, this uh, an issue in their secondary in terms of who will be their nickel player, um, who will be their nickel corner. Uh, before we get out of here, Neil, uh, speak to anything that you guys got coming up on Steelers Wire as camp starts
1: plenty of training camp stuff. We're going to go over each position. We're going to kind of talk out, um, the way we see things going down, but more than anything, we just want to focus on, uh, what we can expect from the team as a whole this season. Um, you're always ready for the injuries. Those are going to come, um, leading up, you know, straight to, I I guess more than anything, I just want to make sure fans are excited. You know, they, they should be excited. I love this time of the year. I love the beginning of training camp. I love the, the preseason. Um, a game in two weeks lance i mean how, how exciting is wow. that I, yeah. I love that that, that really yeah. doesn't wow. feel like the offseason really wow. started yeah and it here we are feel like you know that. yeah yeah <laughs> back it in the hall feel of fame like game that. the the cursed field at canton um after what's going to be an absolutely epic hall of fame weekend for the steelers uh it'll be great as of now i don't know um i've got okay. other stuff that i kind of need to do this time of the year i don't get to travel as much but um Considering how much Steelers presence there is, I might go. We'll see.
0: Hey, you can send me if you want. (laughs) Go for it,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm glad we – send me a ticket. I'll gladly go there and uh, be a journalist, a.k.a. (laughs) in air quotes. Be a journalist. Be be a journalist. But with that, listeners, we're going to conclude the show. I want to thank you for hopping on last minute, Neil, in the morning. Big up to everybody that joined us on the live chat And as always, as camp opens, I want to close the show with the following line, as I always do. Please tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe, and go Steelers.